see him in the splendor of a sunset. We sense his glory on the mountaintop. We know he is enthroned in the heavenlies. But these are not his only dwelling places. He is also found in the fiery furnace, in the belly of a whale, in the lion's den, in the prison cell, on stormy seas. He is there in the dark watches of the night. He is at rock bottom. He is there at the end of the rope, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Where is God? He dwells in the place where you need him most. Where is God? If you're like me, you've probably asked that question at some point in your life. Perhaps you're, you're asking that question right now in your life. Where is, where is God? I, I can't seem to find God. Or maybe, you know, for you, the, the question is not so blunt. Where is God? But God, what are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand the situations. And God, I just can't seem to find you. And, and sometimes in life, we get to the point where we feel like, you know, as we're praying, as we're seeking God, and we're trying to make sense of things, we're trying to find answers. It's just like, you know, we, we can feel like, you know, God's just like nowhere to be found, and it hurts. And, you know, we ask those questions because that is reality. Life just really hurts sometimes. Life stinks sometimes from a human perspective. It just, it just does. It's just, that's just the way it is. And, and sometimes just little things you know, you're going to get up uh, tomorrow. If it doesn't hit you today, you go to work. You, you, you go through your life's routines. And we face it every day, don't we? Things just don't go the way we'd like. And, and, and sometimes just even the little things of life that we face day in, day out, and we think, man, when am I going to get out of this rut? Or when am I going to get out of these difficulties, these challenges? And in and, and, and any given day, we can catch ourselves in, in the midst of kind of discouragement, despair, or frustration. You know, the simple thing of a, a printer not printing properly. The traffic in the morning. The accident that slows you down. You're going to be late to work again. And again, you're really frustrating. And, and, and we can lose sight of, of God in that and wonder, God, where are you? When, when can I just like... You know, when can I really have hope and joy and, and peace? Many of you are fighting that right now in your life. That's a great introduction to a message on hope, isn't it? But it's reality. You know, some of you might come here today saying, you know, let, let me just get away from it all. You know, let me, let me just go to church this morning and, and just be able to be there with God's people and I'm just going to just put the problems behind me. I'm leaving them at the door. And, and God, I'm just going to be here with you. And I'm going to worship you. And, and God, I'm going to focus on you. And just leave all that stuff behind. But you know, see, the reality is, when we walk out the doors, the problems are still there. And for many of us, as we sit here this morning, the problems, the difficulties, the challenges that we're facing in life, they're kind of welling up within us. And as 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 we were led through Psalm 42 this morning and we read those things and thought about those things and Anthon uh, you know, helped us focus our attention on hoping in God and trusting in God and, and all those things that we've already talked about and thought about this morning. For some of us here this morning, the reality is it's just reality that, that those 
things just aren't resonating with us. That hope just kind of really isn't resonating with us. We're still struggling. We're still fighting. We're still struggling in life. That's reality. And, and you know, in the psalm that we read this morning that we all read together, you know, that, that psalm doesn't sugarcoat it, as Anton said. It's real. It's, it's ugly. It's dirty. It's, it's, man, life's hard. Life stinks. And, and when am I going to find God? You know, this morning as we're kind of honest about these things and we, we kind of set the stage for, boy, a powerful verse we're going to look at this morning that we all know really well. You know, we look to, to what Paul says as, as he leads up to this, this verse that we're really going to focus on this morning. And, and Paul's very honest and Paul's very real about this. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. Follow along as we read Romans 8, verses 17 through 27. Here's what he says. And since we are children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But, but, if we are to share his glory, we must share in his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing to be compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. It's ugly stuff. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. You see it? For we know that all creation has been groaning, groaning, as with the pains of childbirth. Ladies, you get that? Yeah, I had a kidney stone once, so, you know, they say I can identify with you. I don't know. All creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth right up until the present time. It's still happening. This groaning is happening, Paul saying. It's been going on. All this groaning has been happening. And, and, and it's still happening. Right up to this present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of this future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too, along with creation, we wait eagerly with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Amen? And some of y'all think your bodies are pretty good. We groan waiting for the redemption, the, the, the complete redemption of our bodies. Amen? Okay, a couple more people. We're waiting. We were given this hope when we were saved. We are all, we already have, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. You ever experienced that? You know, the troubles, the problems you're facing are just so great. It's like, God, I don't know what to say. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even, 
God, I don't even know what to ask you for. Let alone do I know, I, I can't figure out what your will is and I can't even figure out what my will is because I just, I just can't figure anything out. It's just that messed up. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What's Paul saying here? You know what? Paul's being really real. The world is messed up. That's what Paul's saying here. The world's just messed up. But in the midst of that, there is hope. There is a very, very real hope. Paul's saying, look, you look around you and, and, and it's not just, it's not just the financial stuff we faced and, and wondering how we're going to pay the bills and our, and our health and, and that doctor's appointment we got this week or the diagnosis we already got, the illness we're already dealing with. It's, it's not just how we're going to deal with our boss this week, our coworkers this week. It's, it's not just those things. It's, man, it's creation. It's, 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 Tornadoes that wipe out cities in, in Oklahoma. It's floods that, that wipe out neighborhoods and homes and, and flood your cars in Nassau. And it's real. It's real. And we face it, man. It's all creation. Paul's saying, like, all creation is just messed up. But there's hope. There's hope. There's a very real hope. You know, in, the, in these verses, <clears throat> that we just read, you know, Paul just just lays out the, 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 this messed up world and hope. But, but the crazy thing is, after after these verses, Paul comes to something that, that really we, we stop and we, we step away from. We really think about, and as we look at it today, what Paul's saying is incredibly profound. What Paul's saying in these next verses, particularly in Romans eight twenty eight, and as soon as I say Romans twenty eight, and as soon as you saw it on your notes, you're like. Yeah, man, why are we looking at Romans 8, 28? I mean, I know that verse. I've memorized that verse. I know that. Man, I know that. Really? Really? Because look here, look. I know Romans 8, 28. I probably memorized Romans 8, 28 40 years ago. Okay? Before I was born, that was. Man, we know it. We know it, Right? How many people memorize Romans 8.28? How many people believe it? Well, you know. Hey, hey, let's be real. Let's be honest. That's me. Let me tell you something. You know how many times I've been back to this verse that God helped me to believe this. We want to look at it a little bit closer. Let's look at it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, verse 29, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he, Christ, would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let's focus again. Let me just read that again, verse 28, because that's really where we're going to focus our attention on this morning. And we know... And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. For those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. If I could summarize that or perhaps restate that verse, I would, I would say it this way. In Christ, in Christ, 
We can have absolute conviction, absolute confidence that without exception, without exception, God is going to orchestrate everything, everything in our lives to, to bring about our highest good for his greatest glory. I want, I want to just walk through this with you, break it down into just five key thoughts that we're going to focus on this morning. First of all is that idea of absolute conviction. Absolute conviction or absolute confidence you could put there. We know, Paul says, we know. When he says we, okay, Paul doesn't just say I. Okay, that's very important. Really, what Paul's saying is we, we all know. It's kind of like, it's like, it's like Paul saying to us, look, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody. It's like, this is no secret. This is nothing new. We know it. And as we sit this here this morning, most of us, we could say, yeah, I know this. It's up here. I know this. I get the facts of it. At a certain level, I believe this. We all know. But then... In saying that we know, the, the, the question is, is, is Paul thinking about the fact that we know this based on facts? Is, is Paul saying, well, well, we know this because God said it? Or is Paul saying, we know this because we've experienced it, because we've seen it with our own eyes? I, I kind of think Paul's probably talking about both here. What Paul's saying is, we know, we know based on the, the character. We know based on the promises of God. We've, we've heard it. We've been taught it. We've learned it. We've memorized it. We know because of who God is. But also, we know. We know based on what we've personally experienced, based on what we have witnessed with our own eyes, what we have seen in our own life, we know. We know. You know, for, for Paul, you know, he, he had some things he could look back on. You know, Paul, Paul perhaps probably had access to, to some of the Old Testament where he'd learn it as he was taught and he was, as he was trained. And, and maybe Paul could think back to, for example, Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah's crying out to God and he's talking to God about the, the situation of his people and what's going on with, with, with God's people. And, and he says, and now our God, the what? The great and mighty and what? Awesome God who what? Keeps his covenant of unfailing love. Look, in the midst of the difficulties and challenges Nehemiah is facing, Nehemiah is praying to God about the situation. Nehemiah gets his focus on God. He says, God, I'm coming to you because you're a great and mighty God and you're an awesome God and you're a God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love. God, I'm coming to you because I know, God, you're a promise-keeping God. God, I know that you're a faithful God and so I'm coming to you based on that. And so he says, don't let the hardships we have suffered seem insignificant to you. Great troubles come upon us, upon our kings and our leaders, our priests, our prophets, our ancestors, all of your people from the days when the king of Assyria first triumphed over us until now. God, I'm coming to you and I'm coming to you about the, this, this mess that we're in. And as I come to you, God, I'm, I'm recognizing, I'm focusing on who you are, the facts. Or perhaps Paul might have thought of Isaiah 54 verse 10. For the mountains may move. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. The hills disappear. 
But even then, God says, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. Never, ever, says the Lord who has mercy on you. But you know, Paul doesn't just have these incredible, really incredible promises and and this perspective of, of God to think about. Paul's got his own experience. Paul's got his own experience. He's seen it. And Paul talks about it because Paul talks about his experience and because Paul talks about how God has has brought him through and and God has led him through and God has turned the bad into good in his life. We have that record. We have so much more than Paul. We have all the stories of the Old Testament that Paul had of God's faithfulness and God turning things around and, and God orchestrating his plan and working all things for good. We got all that and we got all the stuff of the New Testament. And, and, and Paul's got the promises of the Old Testament. He's got maybe some of the things that Jesus said in his mind. But you and I, let's get real about this. You and I got a lot more than that, don't we? We got a lot more to draw on than Paul did when he made this statement. Okay, we got the word of God, the whole word of God in our hands. Paul didn't. We've got all those experiences. We've got history since then of seeing God work things out. We've got the history in our lives and the lives of others. We've got the promises of God's word, some that Paul didn't have. Like, for example, Hebrews 13, verse 5. God himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's a pretty strong statement, wouldn't you say? But it doesn't catch it. Really, our English translations really just don't catch the the depth, the magnitude of what's in this verse. Because God is like, you know, it's kind of like God's stooping down to us in this verse, and and, and God's kind of kind of answering to our objections that come as we hear Him say this in this verse. So it's kind of like God repeats Himself. God like states extremely strongly. So let me let me read it to you from the Amplified version. You can see it on the screen. He, God himself, has said, I will not. Now watch this here, because in the Greek, there's there's a double negative and a triple negative. Okay? In other words, God's, look, God's not stuttering. Okay? God's trying to get a point across. God's trying to help us to really see it. And as we start to think, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, God says, no. Look at this. I will not. In any way, fail you or give up on you or leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. That's in the Greek. I will not. Three times. I will not. Yeah, but God, I will not. Well, what about I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake or let you down, or relax my hold on you. Absolutely not. <clears throat> I'm not do it. I'll never leave you hanging. That's what God's promise is to us. And we've all seen it. We've all seen it. We know. We know. When we stop and think, when we're here in the house of God, when we're here together with other believers and and, and we're reflecting on these things, when we get into God's word, we know, we know, we know, don't we? We know. We've seen in our lives. I could go through countless stories in my life of things that were painful, dead, 
painful in my life. And I've seen God work in those things and through those things. I mean, times of, of darkness. Anthony talked about that, that earlier, the darkness. And man, we feel like we can't see the light. I've been there. I've been there. I understand. Believe me, I understand pain, hurt, struggling with all that's in you to continue to trust God. I know. Feeling like God's abandoned you. Feeling like, God, have you given up on me? I know. I understand. It's the word of God. It's the promise of God. Here's what we need to do. In the time of darkness, if you're there now, you'll be there this week. It, maybe it's just a little thing. One day this week, and it's just like, man, I can't believe I broke down again. I can't believe that happened again. You know, and you're struggling with it. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts. Distrust your interpretation of your circumstances. Because see, here's the thing. We look at things. You look at the situations in your life. And you, and you give an interpretation to them. I mean, they're basically events. They're facts. And you decide good, bad. You look at what's happening. You look at what people are doing. You say good, bad. This is going to come from that. That's going to come from that. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. You evaluate your circumstances and you actually interpret them and you assign value and meaning and good and bad to them. And in the midst of that, as we're doing that, our minds get all messed up. Okay. And, and, and the thing is, we've got to doubt our doubts at that time and hold fast to our convictions. Believe your beliefs and trust in God's character and in God's plan. We know. We know. Don't we? We know. Lean into that. Hold on to that grasp. I know. God, boy, it makes no sense to me. In my mind, I can't figure this out. I don't, I don't know it based on what I could see, but I know it because of who you are, God, because of what I've seen you done in the, do in the past. And I know this, and I can have absolute conviction, Paul says, without exception. Without exception. I mean, it's not like, well, I know because, well, see, I could figure it out. I, you know, I, I know everything's going to work out because I know that well, this person could come through for me or that person could come through for me or, you know, I can always put the clothes out on the line and, you know, I don't really need the dryer so I could work that out. I could adapt to that, you know, and, 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 and so I know that things could work out because, you know, I got a good doctor. Man, but, you know, sometimes in life we just can't figure it out. But the reality is, he says, we know that in all things. All things, no exceptions. But, but, but right away, the, the objections of that start to come, right? But, but you don't know my problems. Man, look here. You don't know how huge my problems are. You don't know how many problems I have. And look, you know what? It's true. I don't. It's true. I, I don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what I'm dealing with. It hurts. And, and you know what we do is we focus on our circumstances. And I got my boss and I got my coworkers and I got this and I got that and I got this problem. And, and if I try and do this, I got this and this and this and this. And we build a wall. We build a wall uh, 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 focusing on our circumstances. I want you to do something with me for a second. Okay. 
Everybody participate if you don't mind. Put your hand in front of your eyes. Put your hand in front of your eyes. Now look, I know you all want to get to lunch, okay? So, you know, the quicker we all cooperate, the quicker we'll get to lunch, and, you know, we'll all be happy, right? So put your hand in front of your, front of your face, okay? What do you see? Hey, it's a no-brainer, your, fa your hand, right? If you're looking, some of you close your eyes. You, you, I didn't tell you to close your eyes. You know, some of you thought, well, I put my hand in front of my eyes, I close my eyes. No, open your eyes, and where you see your hand, okay? But put your hand out, out here and look up at the screen. What do you see? You, see the, you can see the screen. If you want to see the screen, you can see the screen. But you and I, man, we, we, we focus our attention so much on our problems and the difficulties and the challenge, and we get that all in front of our face and our solutions that we could come up with, and all we see is that, and we see no hope. And we need to move that off to the side, move that off to the distance, and focus on God. And when you're facing mountain-sized challenges, the answer is not to look around you at your circumstances. It's not to look around you for solutions and look around you to other people for solutions. That's not the answer. But boy, that's what we gravitate towards. Look at the problem. Look at the problem. Analyze the problem. Look at the pros and cons. Figure it out. Find the solutions. Find the best solution. Use your logic. Use your reason. And, and some of us, boy, we really like to do that, don't we? We're going to find an answer. But that's not the answer. The answer is not to look around you, not look at your circumstances. The answer is to look up at God. The answer is to look up. I mean, you got that wall of circumstances around you. It ain't going to do you any good to look forward and look at those circumstances, to look up and look at God and, and, and trust him and look back at what he's done before. That's what Paul's saying to us. We know. We know without exception. And sometimes we think our, our problems are unique. Sometimes we think our problems are bigger than anybody else has. And I know. I know, because I've been there too. But God takes broken lives. God takes broken situations, and God turns them around for good. Take a look at this person. Anybody know who this is? Anybody? Johnny Erickson, okay? Anybody know anything about her? She's a quadriplegic. Why? What happened? Diving accident. We heard about that this morning. Man, that's some painful stuff in life, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Just let you get the phone call about somebody you love. That they had a diving accident. That put them in a wheelchair for life. But those of you who know Johnny Erickson, you know what she's done with that and what God's done with her life. And God has turned it around and she has impacted millions of people around the world with her love for God and her trust in God in, the spite, in spite of her challenges and difficulties. Man, look here. Most of us don't have it like that. Am I right? Am I right? Okay, how about this next guy? This guy's name is Nick. I can't say his last name, so I only try. Okay? If you can see the picture, maybe a little hard to see, but this guy's got no arms. This guy's got no legs. Okay? You want to look him up? Look up Life Without Limbs. Okay? Incredible guy. You should see him swimming. Yeah, man. Diving into a pool. It's like, dude, don't do that! <laughs> How are you going to come up? Man, it's like incredible. All right? Man, who has more excuse, more reason to feel sorry for himself? 
and feel like, man, God, you've abandoned me. And God, what, what's going to come in my life? What could I do? I don't even know arms and legs. What, could, what in the world could I do? He can still got a mouth. And he can speak for God. And he has. And he's impacted, again, millions of people around the world. Look, I don't think too many of us in here got it that bad. I don't think so. God can turn around the worst things. But you know what? Someone will say, well, but you don't know what I've done. <laughs> you don't know what I've done because really, you know, if you knew the problems I'm facing right now, I know it's all my fault. I got myself here. You don't know what I've done. And you're right again. You don't know what I've done. I, I get it. And I don't know what you've done. You don't know what I've done either. But you know, I look at scripture and I see failures. That's what I see. I see failures that God's used murderers like Moses and David, adulterers. I see people who lied and all kinds of stuff. Look back with me quickly at Nehemiah chapter 9. As Nehemiah is talking about the, the relationship between God and his people here, he says, he says, as he looks at what God did, as God put them out of, out of Egypt, he says, you gave them bread from heaven. You gave. Okay, this is what God did. You gave them bread from heaven. They were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. You commanded them to go and take possession of land you had sworn to give them. But, but, Here's what our people did. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn. They paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey. They did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to slavery in Egypt. Hello. But you. You see it? But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon him. Look, we read through the Old Testament. The Old Testament is an ongoing record of the failure of God's people, just like you and me. And the record of God's faithfulness and God's unfailing love and promises of redemption, compassion, kindness, and blessing. Not because of them, but in spite of them. And isn't that the story of our lives too? You see, the truth is God is, has, and always will be the same. Abundant in grace and mercy. Faithful to his covenant of love for his people. That's who God is. In spite of our failure, in spite of our blowing it. And again, I understand. I've been there. Thinking, God, are you, are you ever going to use me again? Or God, are you, 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 have you left me? Have you abandoned me? Because, man, I just blew it. I've messed up so bad. And I know my thoughts. I know my struggles. I know where I am. And, and, and I know I'm not writing. And God, just, just two weeks ago, God, I want to honor you. I'm walking, okay? I'm out for my walk. And, and, and God, I want to honor you. God, I want my life to completely honor you. I want to be completely surrendered to you and honor you with everything I say and do in my life. And God, I know I blow it over and over again. And I go through... Man, large portions of a day, and it's like I get to a point and I say, man, I ain't hardly giving God a thought. I've just been going through the motions, doing my stuff. And it's like, God, I don't know. I just want to honor you with, by obeying you, by following you, by doing your will. God, I want to honor you. And it's like God said to me, you know what, dummy? Yeah, I know. Maybe he doesn't call you dummy, but that's what I hear sometimes because it's like, hello, come on, man. Get it. 
And it's a loving thing. It's a loving rebuke. But it's like, Chris, man, you're forgetting something. See, here's the thing. Look at this. We, we dishonor and we show contempt for the holiness and righteousness of God by taking sin and obedience lightly. Absolutely. And so that's my prayer. I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? God, I don't want to dishonor you by taking sin lightly. God, I don't want to dishonor you by disobeying you. God, I want to honor you. But watch this. We also dishonor and we show temp for the grace and mercy of God when we don't immerse ourselves in God's grace and mercy when we do sin. And that day, God's saying to me, you know what? You're always, you're always at this place of, of I'm a failure. You're always at this place of I don't measure up. You're always at this place of I can't do it. And you're always at this place of feeling like Will, will, will God ever use me again? Will God give me the opportunity to serve him? You're always at this place and God says, you know what you're doing? You're dishonoring my grace. You're dishonoring my mercy because you're thinking it's all about you. You're thinking it's all about your performance. And, and if you're waiting for you to get it all together before God can work in your life, guess what? God ain't never going to work in your life because you ain't never going to get it all right. We're, we all just failures, stumbling forward by the grace and mercy of God. All of us. And, and, and if you or I think that for this verse to, to work in our lives, for God to work all things together for good, we've got to get it all together first. Then it's never going to happen. If we think you are, we got to get it all right. And boy, I missed my quiet time last week. God's not going to bless me this week. I missed it yesterday. What, boy, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble today. Man, we're never gonna, we're never gonna know God's blessing. We're never gonna have confidence and hope and joy if we think we gotta have it all together. Look, absolutely, the first part of that statement is so important. We don't wanna dishonor the holiness and righteousness of God. We gotta take sin seriously. But when we fail, we don't need to listen to Satan's guilt trip saying, you've messed up too bad. Look what you got in your past. Look what you've been doing. Look, you, you're not as consistent as you'd like to be. Look, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't memorize like you should. You don't pray like you should. You don't read the Bible like you should. How do you think God's going to use you to do anything for him? How do you think your life's going to amount to anything? That's Satan's guilt trip. That's Satan's lies. And, and, and I was, what I do? It keeps us paralyzed. I don't know what you've done, but I know God does, and God's forgiven you. And God wants to use you again, and God wants to work in your life Again, but then some of us say, well, wait a minute though. But what about evil? What about evil? We can't take time to, to, to really delve into this, you know, because some of us here, man, we thinking, but, well, yeah, but man, what they doing is wrong, right? What they doing just wrong. And, and, and what they doing is, man, it's just downright evil what they doing and it's hurting me. And, and, and I'm hurting today because of what they're doing, what other people are doing to hurt me. And, and how does that fit in? I mean, how does that fit in with God working all things for good? You say, what, what about evil? I say, well, what about Joseph? What about Joseph in the Old Testament? Most of us probably know a little bit of the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph sold by his brothers into slavery. After they took him out of the pit, they threw him in. And as they talked about letting him die and, and all this stuff, he was sold into slavery in Egypt. He was, he was mistreated and betrayed in Egypt and, and all this ugly stuff in Egypt. And at the end of it, what happened? What happened? Man, he, he, he became the big, big dude in Egypt. He was second to Pharaoh. 
He's, God, man, look here. God used Joseph to save the world from death, from famine. That's pretty cool. But where did he start off? He started off in slavery. He started off in a, in a prison wrongly. And what did he say? As for you, you meant evil against me. Talking to us brothers, you planned and you did evil against me. But God meant or God planned and God did this for good to bring about what many people, that many people should be kept alive to this day. This was evil. It was wrong. And you meant it to be evil. That's what, man, you had evil intentions. But God took that, man, God just turned it around. What about Jesus? Jesus put on the cross in, in Acts 2, it says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. In Acts chapter 4, the kings of the earth set themselves up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly in this city, you were gathered together against your holy, they were gathered against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles, all the peoples of Israel to do watch this whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place but that's powerful look I ain't gonna pretend to understand it all I ain't gonna try to make, make sense of it all, we can't because there's two truths in scripture we can't make sense of but listen, God is never God is never the, the, the cause of evil. God is never the cause of evil, but he is in control at all times. And God sovereignly rules over that evil. And, he, and, and, and his sovereignty over everything that takes place, he uses even evil acts of wicked people to accomplish his plan for his good, for our good, for his glory. Something the Lord gave me last, last fall that, that, that really carried me through a lot of things. Listen, no one and no thing can touch you except God allows it. Except God allows it. And if God allows it, if God permits it to take place, he doesn't put a stop to it because he could stop it. Okay, so no one, no thing's going to touch you unless God lets it happen. He could stop it. If he doesn't stop it, God has a purpose. God has a plan, and he's going to use that in your life for your good. All things, without exception. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the fact that God orchestrates it. God orchestrates. He says all things work together. This is, this is, not, this is not a statement, okay, that, that all things are good. That's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's not saying all things are good. Paul's saying that all things work together for good. It's, it's, it's a picture. It's a, it's, it's a picture of God orchestrating things. I need, I need three people to help me here for a minute. Real quick. I know you all want to go to lunch. You, you might as well just volunteer. Okay, thank you. Anthony, Marissa, and Terrence. Good. Thank you for volunteering. It's very kind of you to raise your hands so quickly. Okay. Anthon, I want you to look up at the screen. Just stand right here and look up at the screen. Okay. Okay, close your eyes for me. Okay. Uh, Terrence and Marissa, Marissa on the other side of your husband. Okay. How do we want to put this? You hold that that side. You hold that side. Okay. And put this right up to his, his face. Okay. Not, not, I mean, I don't make it touch his nose or something like that. He's going to get upset. Okay. 
Um, Anton, would you open your eyes? What do you see? A clock. A, cl a what? Clock. A, a clock. A cloth. Oh, a cloth. Yeah. <laughs> These don't work too good. A cloth. Okay. Well, well, get, tell us a little bit more. Uh, it's uh, pretty colorful. Colorful? Yeah. Uh, yellow, like the purple and green. You see like any kind of picture or anything? Or? No. Okay. Thank you. You can sit down. You two can stay here. Turn, turn, that, turn that around. This is life. This is, this is really kind of what, what Paul's talking about here. For you and I, we, we see what Anthon saw first, don't we? You know, we, 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 we get up real close to our circumstances. And you know what? Some of you back further off, further back, you might have been able to kind of make out a little bit of what the image was. Okay? But not Anthon, man. He's getting his face all up into that stuff. And what do he see? He sees stuff. He sees junk. He sees things he can't make sense of. Thank you. Appreciate it. And it's ugly. Even some of you could look further back. You say, man, if you're trying to, you're trying to win any awards with that, you, you ain't going to get anything. It, it ain't too attractive. And there's a lot we couldn't make sense of. But God is weaving a tapestry together. See, we understand, and you and I, we, we can think in terms of, of, of a single or maybe just a few events or circumstances, things in our lives. That's what we can see. That's what we can understand because our brains, we just can't work like that. Okay? But God, God is working with all things. God is taking all things. God in his infinite wisdom and knowledge and power and plan. God takes all, this is crazy. It's really crazy. God takes all these things, all the, the stuff in all of our lives, and he's working together. And some things in your life weave together with some things in my life and her life and his life. And God's weaving it all together to weave the beautiful tapestry of each of our lives individually. That's what God's doing. That's what God's doing in your life. And what's he all about? He's all about our greatest good. He's all about our greatest good. That's what Paul's saying here. God causes all things to work together for good, for good. What is going to bring about good in our lives? See, we get mixed up, though. Sometimes we think we know what's good. We think we know what's best. Boy, I've been there, too. God, this is the, I mean, God, this is the, the only good thing that could happen. Boy, I remember this so clearly one time, sitting right over there behind, um, on, on Ivanhoe, back behind Wendy's, working out in the yard and talking to God about why God, you know, God needed to work and God needed to do something and how God wasn't doing things right, you know, because God wasn't moving on my timetable and God, you know, it just makes sense. It just makes sense for this to happen this way. And, and, and I'm waiting for somebody to do something. Somebody give me a call, actually, to drive a car down to Florida, be, be brought over to the car that was given to us. God, you know we need that car. That's good. It's good because we can do ministry with a car. And so, God, that's good, right? Right? It's good that we get the car so we can do ministry, right? Yeah, that's good. It's okay. You can say, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. And God, it's about time this person calls me and says they're going to drive a car down to Florida so they can, can be, it can be brought over. And I don't understand what the delay is, God, because this is good. I get a phone call. Andrew calls me. Just, I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's like, again, it's like God saying, hello. <laughs> you know, you, you talk to me right now. Here's the answer. Somebody calls me. I said, you know, did anybody bring your car down to Florida yet? No. I, I got two people that, that they're going to, and I'm going to pay for their plane tickets for them to fly back. Oh, man, don't worry about that. I'll drive your car down to Florida. You don't have to pay for my plane ticket. 
Well, there's $1,000 I don't have to put out. God, that's good. Is that good? <laughs> I didn't have any clue about that good. The only good I knew about was, God, get my car down here. We pursue, in our lives, too often, we, re we pursue the removal of discomfort, right? Man, it hurts. I want it to stop hurting, right? And y'all like to hurt or what? When it hurts, I, I want it to stop hurting, right? Yeah. And, and we pursue the removal of our discomfort. We, we gravitate towards looking for the blessing of material well-being and, and success now. I want it solved now. I want it fixed now. I want the pain to stop now. I want to be cured now. I want the money now. But God pursues our highest good. The development of the, of the character of, of Christ in us. Which is also for his greatest glory. So that's what Paul's saying here. Look at what he says in the next couple of verses. For those he foreknew, all things work together for good. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's the highest good for you and me. To be like Jesus. That's it. We want comfort. God wants Christ-likeness. We want wealth. God wants generosity. We want a position and status and so forth. God wants humility. You know, we get, we get backwards. So that Christ will be the firstborn among many brethren. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. God is working on a scale much bigger than you and I. He's working on that tapestry that's beautiful. You and I get in like this little one inch by one inch space. And that's all we see and that's all we can think about. Look at this verse that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Look at that again. Our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Craig, can you come help me for a second here? Let me, let me try and help us see what Paul's saying here, because this is profound, this is incredibly powerful, what Paul's saying here. Stand up over here. Stick your hand out like this. Face everybody and stick your hand out like this. Okay? No, I didn't say like that. I said like this. <laughs> we go way back, so it's okay. I can, I can and I'm going to give him a hard time. I can say, no, just hold it lightly. Just hold it lightly. Don't, man, don't get all manly on it. It's a feather. Okay, drop the feather. Momentary. Light. In fact, he held it too long. Our momentary, now I'm going to look here. It don't feel that way, does it? You know, when you're in the middle of it, wait, you're not done yet, boo. Young man, come back. When you're in the middle of it, does it feel like this? No, man, it hurts. But we, and we get it backward. Put your hand out like this. No, I'm just kidding, man. I can't even hardly hold the thing, but. All right, we think it's like that. But what Paul's saying is, okay, look, this is it. This is really what he's saying, okay? It's a great picture of it. This is our trouble. You okay? You all right? Man, keep smiling. This is our trouble. This is our trouble. Man, I know it's hard to 
feather. No way, man. It hurts. It hurts like crazy. Yes, it does. But what Paul's saying is really in the overall big picture of it, our problems are the feather. This is heaven. Man, he's saying this is an eternal. This goes on forever and ever. That is short and it's, and it's late. It's, man, it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. But heaven, boy, man, this heaven's like heavy, man. You all right? And it's forever. It feels like forever. Does it feel like forever? Man, you ain't even shaking yet. When I get it, when, when, when Alan held that out, man, his arm was immediately shaking, but he's doing good. Four kids at once. Man, you are, you, you're the man. You're the man. But am I right? Man, it feels like we're holding the weight and we feel like it's going on forever. But look here, when you, when you look at eternity, when you see and when you focus your hope on eternity, it's like, man, if we can get that picture, we can get that perspective of the glory that's ahead of us forever and ever and ever, man. Man, the troubles just kind of start to fade away. We got to get God's perspective. Let me bring us back in Christ. In Christ, we can have absolute conviction, confidence, without exception. God will orchestrate everything in our lives together to bring about our highest good and our greatest glory. Man, we need to lean into that. We need to grasp all that. We need to, man, we need to remember that and remind ourselves of that. Quite frankly, I think we need to do it every day, if not multiple times a day. But there's a fifth thing here. There's a fifth thing here. Paul says it is for those who are in Christ. He says it's to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And again, verse 29 tells us it's about God calling us in Christ. It's about God developing us to be like Christ. Now here's the thing. Here's the good part. If you're in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, this promise is for you. This is a, a promise, a rock-solid promise for those who've entered into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And it is absolutely faithful and trustworthy, this promise. We can grip a hold of them. We need to, as I've said, grip a hold of them and hold on to this promise of Romans 8, 28. We got to. But there's kind of this negative side to this too. Because what if I'm not in Christ? What if I'm not in Christ? And you know, some, some, some of us here today, some, you might be here and you're like, man, this sounds good. I want this. I know this. I, 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 this, is, this is the life I want to have. But you, you know, this is, this is the life. This is the hope for those who are in Christ. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm in Christ. What I have to offer to you is, is at this point, it's, it's not the hope of Romans 8.28. It's the hope that you put yourself into Christ. You have the hope of Romans 8.28. When I want to hold out to you, when I want to offer to you, when I want to, I want to beg you, as Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians, man, he, he comes to the point, he says, as he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church, and, and the church is reading it, and he says, you know what? It's like he realizes there's probably some people there that don't know Christ. And he says, we beg you, we're, we're urging you, together with God, be reconciled, to Christ. What, what he's saying there is, is, you know, God's begging you. God's saying to you, God, I, I want to make your life a life of meaning and purpose and significance in Christ. 
I want you to know forgiveness so that, man, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to come to that place with saying, well, you don't know what I've done. Because in Christ, it's all forgiven. In Christ, the past is behind us. In Christ, we don't have to look over our shoulder. And if you're not in Christ this morning, I want to urge you, as Paul does, as God does, be reconciled. Put your faith in Christ. Know his forgiveness. Know his heart of love for you. His passion to take your broken, messed up life and turn it into something beautiful. Because that's what God does. That's just what God does. And for those of us who are in Christ, again, let me encourage you, let me challenge you. In Christ, in Christ, we can have absolute conviction, absolute confidence that without exception, God's going to take whatever it is in your life, whatever you're facing right now, as painful as it may be, whatever you're going to face this week, if it's even just the little things of the day-to-day stuff. When it comes, when it hits us, we don't look at the circumstances. We look up at God. We look back at what he's done, and we say, God, I'm going to trust you. Man, this is just really messed up, but God, I'm going to trust you. And, and God, I'm determined that I'm going to believe that you're going to take this and you're going to work it together in my life for something good. God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to just take it. I'm going to go through this journey with you, God. As you're orchestrating, as you're weaving all these threads together that I can't make sense of, God, I'm just going to trust you that you're going to create something beautiful out of my life. Let's pray and kind of just talk to God about this. And Ashley's coming. She's going to lead us in a, in a song that's going to help us reflect on this some more. But let me challenge you as Ashley's getting ready. Man, the circumstances are screaming at you. Some of you, the circumstances are screaming at you. Yeah, but, yeah, but. And, 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 and I, it's, it's almost like as much as you try, it's almost like you feel like everything within you all, you, all you can do is focus on the problems. Fight it. Fight it. Put your hope in God. Focus on him. Focus your attention. Focus your thoughts on him. You know. You know. We all know. Don't we? So we just, just, just get quiet for God right now. Probably everybody here has thought of something. Name it to God. Right now, name it to God. Talk to him about it. Tell him you don't understand. Tell him you think it's wrong. It's okay. God can handle it. But also recognize, God, I don't know what you know. I don't see what you see. God, I, I need help, I, I, but I want to trust you. I want to give it to you. Help me to, to stop looking around. Look up at you. Would you just continue to talk to him and Listen to the words of song, reflect on the words of song, and however God's leading you, just respond to him. Make that determination in your heart. To turn. It's like I've been here forever. Why can't you just intervene? Don't you see the tears keep falling? And I'm falling apart at the seams. You never said the road would be easy 
And in your time, bring us back again to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.